Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, this is the Webbox Podcast. I'm Matt Cholley, bringing the best of my Times Radio show, Monday to Thursday, 10 till 1. Coming up, American Carnage. We speak to Henry Zeffman in Washington about all of that. Uh, plus, Danny Finkelstein uh, gives us his take of putting it all into the, the historical perspective. Uh, in a moment, we'll have our columnist panel for Thursday. It's Webb Cramps, it's Esther Webb and Bob Cramps. But I need your help. We are discussing big ideas. A competition has been launched to find big policy ideas that could improve the country. And we want yours. We've done this before when you've sent in uh, voice notes. So basically record yourself on your phone, a voice note, your big idea, whatever it might be, how to improve schools or hospitals or the tax system or the environment. The, the screamingly obvious idea that you can't understand why nobody else has suggested it. Record it on your phone, then email me matt.chorley at times.radio. That's matt.chorley at times.radio. Uh, and we'll use it on my Times Radio show on Monday. And you'll then be able to hear it on the podcast. It'll all join up. It'll be perfect. Studio at times.radio for your your policy suggestions to make the world a better place. Big or small, we don't mind. Uh, Right then, it's time for our columnists. It must be Webb Cram, Esther Webber and Robert Crampton. It's hard to avoid the um, conclusion that Barack Obama and so many others have reached, Robert, that, that there's a direct connection between what the actual President of the United States did and then what happened in the US Capitol. Well, yeah, obviously, I mean, it, it, it's hard to avoid it because it's true. Uh, I might take issue with you saying how depressing it is, though. I think this might be the end of Trumpism, uh, as a, at least as a serious force in Republican politics. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's going to be there because uh, there's all these angry uh, middle-aged white men, as we saw from the, uh, the crowd who stormed the Capitol. But uh, as a force in serious Republican politics, maybe this is it. I mean, maybe... Maybe uh, sensible Republicans will now uh, get their act together and p- push this to the to the margins of of American political life because uh, they think that maybe they can now see where it leads. So maybe not such a bad day. I mean, obviously yeah. an awful day because of the deaths and everything, but maybe it's the uh, uh, it's the it's the end of uh, this this kind of uh, this kind of politics, uh, at least in the Republican Party. 
Yeah, Esther, in the immediate wake of the uh, election in November, there were lots of hot takes of people saying, you know, Trump might be gone, but Trumpism isn't dead. This is a very close election result. Uh, and actually, as even Mitch McConnell uh, finally admitted yesterday, this was not a close election result. It was an, you know, it was an overwhelming um, uh, victory by Joe Biden, a margin of error that we've seen um, time and again in, in results which have been hailed as, as significant victories. So do you think this puts an end to Trumpism? I mean, in the end, I suppose it comes down to what the Republican Party does. Yeah, I mean, you're you're right. Some reports were exaggerated about kind of the closeness of the result. And that was a sort of function of the way the night unfolded for geeks who stayed up all night. It was the states that stayed with Trump that came through first and it only became clear the scale of the Biden victory over a course of days. Um, but I think I, I would probably differ from Robert a, a bit. I think even if um, e even if this is a spent force within the official Republican Party. I think what was really striking and alarming was um, the extent to which the people who carried out this raid on the Capitol were kind of parroting misinformation and conspiracy theories, um, which ha have in part been encouraged by the president and even if they're not going through kind of official political channels those are the kind of things that are quite difficult to put back in the box once you've switched people onto them so i think even if yes it's the end of this type of politics having a seat in the white house but it's still going to be a sort of undercurrent that America needs to to think about and to deal with. Yeah, I think, I think you could well be right. And, and the problem is that if there is a force on an extreme in politics, someone will try to appeal to that force. That's the, you know, um, you know, Nigel Farage never amusingly won his seat in the House of Commons, but that didn't stop him having a big influence on politics because mainstream parties try to sort of yeah. uh, woo, woo that that constituency let's move away from america uh at the moment let's talk about um in fact Esther, let's talk about one of your favorite subjects the house of lords there's been another <laughs> row this week there's been a bit of a ding dong uh, yeah. amongst everything else that's going on in the world uh, there's been another ding dong in the house of lords about the fact that more people are going to be joining them on the red benches and the people who uh, in particular that boris johnson is um in introducing there, not just the number, but the yes. the, the quality, uh, quality as well as quantity of the people, um, and, yeah. and a bit of a shift in policy on, on the House of Lords. Yeah, um, so obviously over Christmas and New Year, it was announced that Boris Johnson was creating new peers, and in particular, there's been a big focus on one of them, Peter Crudus, who the House of Lords Appointments Commission recommended should not be eligible for a peerage um, because of some previous dodgy dealings. Um, and Boris Johnson has overruled them and said, let's have him in anyway. Um, and this was raised in the House of Lords this week 
um, with people basically saying you can't just ride roughshod over the system. And um, and the minister said, well, yes, we can, actually. And, um, and the prime minister hasn't made any commitments to keep down the numbers. Um, and then there's a sort of wider question, which maybe we'll get into, about whether this is part of some uh, longer-term strategy um, to ultimately dismantle the House of Lords. Um, Robert, you and I are about the only two Times columnists who don't have a seat in the Lords already. Would you, uh, <laughs> would you, ta- <laughs> would yeah, you take one if offered? This rate. <laughs> would you would you take one if offered? Yeah, I couldn't resist it. I mean, I'm against it, <laughs> uh, but I'm too much of a of a. Uh, no, I would. Yeah, I probably would just because it's such. A, I mean, it, you know, what is it? The best club in London or something? Somebody said. I mean, this is this is the only justification for the Lords in a democracy is the is the idea of a kind of revising chamber of of experts and specialists. But so when you appoint the, I think these sixteen new peers that are appointed over Christmas. 56 but nine of them 56 percent have a background in politics i mean they're they're politicos essentially they're not uh, uh you know learned scientists or academics or you know engineers or or, or people who know lots of stuff about important things uh <laughs> so it's a, it's a dangerous game isn't it if you're i mean because you're just you're, you're essentially watering watering down the quality and uh those of us who I've got a, uh, a real democratic problem with the House of Lords. Are uh, uh, makes our argument for us, really. Uh, what about you, Esther? I don't think I've ever, ever actually asked you before if you'd actually take a seat at the Lords if offered. <laughs> it, it would be very tempting, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> who wouldn't like to to sit on those? We're benched all day, but I think I, I think after well. everything I've said and written, I, I, I probably couldn't. Um, but no, me too. But to anyone listening, I'm open to persuasion. <laughs> I mean, maybe it might be one of those things where you know, bring in, bring you on the inside and stop you causing trouble by constantly writing about the House of Lords. You know, that's the the age old trick. You know, well, like yeah. Hiring... I, I mean, I'll, I'll just say I'm I'm open to offers. <laughs> well, you pro- you'll good, probably good. get one. I mean, was it was it Lloyd George who sold peerages? I mean, that's effectively what's happening. Uh, back in, we're back. You know, nothing ever changes, does it? That's hundred years ago, uh, and that's yeah, effectively if, what they're doing now. Patronage, patronage yeah. uh, is not a new, uh, you know, uh, is not a new sure. thing. Uh, okay, one person who may not be rewarded with a seat in the house. Well, I don't know. Maybe he will. Gavin Williamson. <laughs> Um, uh, what 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 havoc could he wreak week in uh, in the House of Lords? Another another top week uh, this week for for the Gavlar Esther. Yes, it has been. Um, so obviously his political caster was already had already taken a battering over the whole exams fiasco last summer. Then there was the ordeal of university students being exposed to COVID and locked in their student digs. Um, And now there's this hastily performed U-turn on schools, um, which, according to numerous sources, was his shout. So he was the one pushing, really pushing for schools to reopen. 
and apparently he won over the Prime Minister on that score. And um, and people are really saying the buck has to stop with him <clears throat> and there have been too many of these late decisions. Um, I, I don't think everyone, not everyone in politics anyway, agrees with that. They think, you know, they, these are difficult decisions. Um, but it is looking pretty sticky for him, and he's probably glad that there is no reshuffle imminent. Uh, well, let's uh, before I ask you what you think about all this, uh, uh Robert, uh, let's take a listen. This is a terrific, I mean, he really is the gift that keeps on giving. This is Gavin Williamson in the House of Commons yesterday, really clearing things up for us. And I can absolutely assure the honourable lady, I will not let schools be open for a moment longer than they... Uh, I will not let schools... I will not let schools be closed for a moment longer than they need to be. I will do everything I can to ensure every school... <laughs> it's just so funny, that. It really tickles me. It's when he's like... Yeah, so... It's painful as well, isn't it? I'm embarrassed. I just got the hairs on the back of my neck just went up there. I had a bit of a flush. <laughs> <laughs> just embarrassing. It's embarrassing hearing somebody suffer like that. I mean, the guy is just woefully overpromoted. I mean, he was literally reading out loud. He was reading, yeah, um, yeah. And bagging. It was the way he was doing his statesman act, and sort of bagging the dispatch box very determinedly, but while yeah. saying, "I will not let schools stay open for a moment longer than necessary." Yeah, he needs to go back and do some online classroom learning. I think it's just, I don't know. I mean, he's, and let's not forget, he is all his thing about Britain being the. Best country in the world, or better than with, with better than yes, all we, the France reason we got the vaccine first because we're the best country. Yeah. yeah, no, he's a, he is a, a top rate Wally. Um, uh, Robert, let's talk about your column and exercise. This is obviously, you know, exercise is about the only thing we could do these days. Yeah, well, I did a feature last week about losing weight, and I've got a column coming up on Saturday about my exercise stats for last year, which are absolutely fascinating, obviously to 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 to, to me at least. Uh, and how they uh, altered in lockdown. Lots more, yeah, huge amounts of walking, hardly any cycling. Uh, I also record lots of other interesting stuff, but I won't, I won't get into that. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's, that's is, my comment. So is this you there, recording yeah. it on your, on your phone? Goodness me, no. No, in a, in a hardback notebook and on graph paper. Oh, you literally, you literally write it down. Yeah, 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 yeah. Got it all, yeah, going back years, 20-odd years or so, yeah. I did oh, sort of wow. doing it for future, the benefit of future sociologists, I like to think. <laughs> Maybe some detectorist will unearth it in years to come. Yeah, in a, a book of... Uh, do, yeah. do you keep a diary in general or just a diary of your exercise? No, yeah, no, I keep a diary in general, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd love to keep... I, in fact, I haven't even... Because I, well, I haven't been able to go to a shop to buy a diary to then not fill it in, but um, it's well, one of those no, things I where... I, got I, my, would... I get my November... And it's one of the highlights of my year. I'm cracking open the new diary, end of December. Uh, I'd love because when I come across old, partly filled in diaries, it's so good to have that sort of record. But I'm so bad at it. What are you, Esther? Do you ever fill in a diary? Uh, I don't, but um, you know, you do have a kind of record map because um, I was looking back at red boxes from this time last year <laughs> and looking at what you and me were writing about then and it is quite a kind of weird historical relic even in the space of the years to look at things like um, 
why isn't Rebecca Long Raylene doing better in the Labour leadership <laughs> contest? And um, when is when is um, Boris Johnson going to get back from Mustique and all this kind of thing? It's just a different world. It is, I mean, that, stuff, that... that stuff seems like about a decade ago. I mean, not let alone a year ago. It just seems like different. It's just a different era, isn't it? Yeah, I noticed this week because this week it popped yeah. up. Um, it, it was five years since I joined the Times and started writing Redbox. And my very right. first Redbox email was cogitating on the possibility that Andy Burnham and Hilary Benn might do a job swap in Jeremy Corbyn's reshuffle. Right. <laughs> right. On, the, on the money of them, Matt. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That was Esther Weber and Robert Crampton there. And, of course, if you want to get a subscription to The Times so you can read what they write, just go to thetimes.co.uk forward slash timesredbox. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Redbox Podcast now. American carnage. What the hell happened in America? To understand last night, you probably have to understand the last four years. Well, on a cold January day back in 2017, the president, the new president of the United States of America was sworn in on the steps of the Capitol building. I, Donald John Trump, do solemnly swear that I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States. Congratulations, Mr. President. Every four years, we gather on these steps to carry out the orderly and peaceful transfer of power. Today's ceremony, however, has very special meaning, because today we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. This American carnage stops right here and stops right now. 
Well, it turns out the real carnage was yet to come. A mob of angry Trump supporters storming those very steps on which he had held an orderly and peaceful transfer of power. A riot in the heart of the Capitol building, which has left four dead, and a nation, if not the whole world, wondering just what has happened in a country which once sought to export the democracy it's now struggling to uphold at home. Well, joining me now live is our man in Washington, Henry Zeffman. Henry, the overnight curfew has been lifted literally in the last few minutes. How do things look the morning after the night before? Well, I think people in Washington are waking up in a sense of shock here, Matt, to be honest. Uh, you know, this is not just the nation's capital, the home of uh, the House of Representatives, the Senate, the White House and so on. It's also where many people live it's their home and there was an attempted armed insurrection uh in this city yesterday um to coin a phrase that's not normal um and i think as people uh wake up and leave their houses uh, for the first time legally in 12 hours here um you know they will digest uh or begin only as they only can uh to digest uh the you know deeply, I suppose, to use an awful word, un-American thing that happened here yesterday. OK, let's, let's just try and go back to the beginning. Sort of, Let's pick through how the day unfolded uh, to try and sort of put it into context, because the trouble sometimes you're following things on Twitter and rolling news. You just, how, how did all this, this happen? So let's go back to the beginning. What was supposed to have been happening yesterday? What was supposed to happen was a mere formality, which usually just lasts about half an hour, which is that in, in a joint session of Congress, so the House of Representatives and the Senate gathered together, presided over by Mike Pence as vice president. They just read out the results of each state in slightly flowery, formal language. Uh, and at the end, Mike Pence bangs a gavel and says that Joe Biden's going to be president. Um, this has never in modern times been controversial even when it's difficult for the person banging the gavel. You know, Al Gore had to preside over the session announcing George W. Bush had defeated him, for example. Um, we knew it was going to be a little bit messier than that. You know, Donald Trump had been insisting that Mike Pence had powers, which he does not have, uh, to subvert that process. Um, but what actually happened... Uh, was, I think, more serious than, than many people, and certainly the police officers uh, of the Capitol, uh, realised it was going to be, which is that uh, this mob of pro-Trump supporters, who we knew were coming to Washington, uh, swarmed the Capitol and forced those processes uh, into suspension, which is when uh, the, the, the real clashes between these... Uh, protesters or rioters or whatever you want to call them uh, and the police and legislators began to happen. Before before we get to that point, there was a big sort of political moment when Mitch McConnell, who is the Republican Senate majority leader, uh, finally turned on Donald Trump. Let's take a listen to what he had to say uh, before the, uh, the, the riot began. We cannot simply declare ourselves a national board of elections on steroids. The voters, the courts, and the states have all spoken. They've all spoken. If we overrule them, it would damage our republic forever. 
this election actually was not unusually close. Just in recent history, 1976, 2000, and 2004 were all closer than this one. The electoral card college margin is almost identical to what it was in 2016. If this election were overturned by mere allegations from the losing side, our democracy would enter a death spiral. Let me just explain to people who don't follow the exact ins and outs of American politics that closely how significant that speech from Mitch McConnell was. Quite significant. Um, I mean, Mitch McConnell is the leader of the Republicans in the Senate, and uh, though he has never, you know, like basically the entire Republican Party pre-2016, you know, never been a natural fan of Donald Trump, uh, he has been responsible for uh, implementing his legislative agenda and shepherd it to the extent that it exists uh, beyond tweets and shepherding it uh, through Congress. Um, I'm not sure that moment was so much Mitch McConnell turning on Donald Trump, who he has never much liked, but just sort of pragmatically dealt with, you know, whether whether that pragmatism to you is just politics or or a deal with the devil. That's what it was. Um, it was aimed more at the 10 or so at that point, members of his caucus uh, who were going to vote to overturn the election results. Um, and you could tell that he was viscerally furious uh, at the way those senators were planning to behave. Um, but, you know, as good as the speech was, plenty of people will say, well, you can't be surprised, Mitch McConnell, uh, <laughs> that you end up with, you know, 10 ambitious Republicans willing, uh, without probably believing in it, uh, to uh, go along with the idea that this election was rigged. Uh, you know, because that's just a slightly uh, thicker end of the wedge uh, of Mitch McConnell deciding to legitimate Donald Trump over the process of four years. You know, he rode the tiger, too. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was it was never a surprise once you're on that path that there were going to be ambitious Republicans who decided that their future lies in uh, in in appeasing a a, a mob of of uh, anti-Democrats, anti-Democrats with a small D. Uh, it, it was well, it was, I was going to say ironically, I'm not sure that's quite the right word, but um, it was James Lankford, a Republican senator from Oklahoma, who was just beginning to explain why he was one of those who supported overturning the election result when the mob whose challenge he was backing made it too dangerous for his speech to continue. Let's just take a quick listen to uh, what happened when the protesters got into the Capitol. Boss. Protesters are in the building. Thank you. <laughs> and that's, I mean, and on and on it, on it went. There's, it was, uh, the sitting was suspended. Uh, let's hear now from Borzal Daragahi, uh, who's the international correspondent for The Independent, it was right outside when people struggled to contain the protesters. Police are squabbling with protesters. Oh, there we go. And they just breached the Capitol again. I mean, that was an extraordinary moment. That, that ahead of me. The fact that inevitably everything's caught on uh, smartphones these days. But when the police, having held the back, in the end just seemed to sort of 
just let them in. They tore it at another part of the building. They tore down four layers of security fencing to get in. It was, it was sort of extraordinary and yet surprisingly easy. Oh, it was shockingly easy. I mean, there were lots of people saying yesterday, uh, you know, people who've spent their careers around the capital. You know, I've seen people arrested uh, in one case, I think, for, for, you know, wearing the wrong dress code as they walk through the Capitol Rotunda. Um, so the ease with which they breached uh, the defences uh, is going to be studied for some time. I mean, that is weird. Um, I mean, some reports that there were fewer Capitol Hill police than usual because lots of them have been exposed to coronavirus. Uh, but nevertheless, um, you know, this 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 did not come as a shock. Right. This was advertised. I mean, Donald Trump went to address these protesters uh, before, as they had said they were going to do, uh, they marched down to the Capitol. Um, so um, it is it is weird. Um uh, I mean, whether it was, it seems, I think, to have been more a question of being undermanned than a question of uh, the officers sort of letting them through. Although there do seem to be some uh, images and footage of a small handful of them basically letting them through. Uh, but whether that was just a response to being overwhelmed or not, I think will only become clear in, in, in the coming weeks and perhaps longer. You've written an extraordinary piece for the Times. You can read it on, but it was up actually in a very quick uh, time after after all this unfolded. But sort of talking through the the colour, if you like, uh, the extraordinary moments of people putting on gas masks. The House chaplain was praying, if that was right. Sort of paints us a picture of of what was going on in in the Capitol building. I think it was it was frenetic and frantic. I mean, people were people were really, uh, you know. Uh, scared uh you know that there are there are lots of dramatic photos around this morning uh of uh members of the house of representatives and members of the senate the two chambers which both went into lockdown uh you know of of uh, elected representatives lying on the floor cowering in in fear uh particularly in the house of representatives where someone with a gun got to the building's doors um a load of congressmen uh, used what furniture they could find to barricade the doors. They were then told to put gas masks on, which are stashed under all of their chairs. Uh, and there was an exchange of fire. Uh, the the main doors uh, to the to the um, to the House of Representatives, a sort of window pane upon those doors, uh, has bullet holes in it today. In fact, a member of the House of Representatives said that he wants he's going to lobby for those bullet holes to be. Uh, kept in place in perpetuity as a reminder of what happened uh, yesterday. Um, so, you know, it was very dramatic there. Then over in the Senate, uh, apparently uh, supporters of Trump were just marauding the corridors, shouting, where the F are they? Um, as they sought out legislators to do, you know, who knows what with. Um, and members of Congress, meanwhile, are barricaded into their offices. A few have started to sort of tweet pictures of the makeshift barriers they put in front of uh, or behind i suppose their doors as they heard rioters banging on them trying to get in i mean in one case the democratic senator tammy duckworth uh who uh whose uh, both of her legs were amputated uh in iraq when her uh, helicopter was shot down she was a helicopter pilot for the army in iraq um and at one point during this apparently democratic senators realized you know oh, oh god where's tammy uh, she was in her office by herself. 
uh, and, and, you know, didn't necessarily have the means to get past the mob. So they had to, you know, depute a delegation to go and basically lift her out of danger. You know, I think there's going to be lots of pretty scarring tales um, about how much worse this could have been uh, in the coming days. Okay, let's sort of fast forward now. We obviously had you know, Joe Biden made an extraordinary speech last night uh, calling for calm and appealing to uh, Donald Trump to do the same. He followed up in, uh, well, typical fashion, I suppose, telling uh, his supporters to go home while also telling them they're completely right to think that the uh, the election had been uh, stolen. Um, uh, then um, the senators did reconvene um, uh, last night, 8 o'clock US time. Two hours of debate followed. Uh, and eventually um, the votes passed. Joe Biden confirmed as the next president of the United States. Vice President Mike Pence, who, of course, has spent the last four years by the side of Donald Trump. Uh, this is him making the announcement. The votes for president of the United States are as follows. Joseph R. Biden, Jr. of the state of Delaware, has received 306 votes. Donald J. Trump of the state of Florida has received 232 votes. The whole number of electors appointed to vote for Vice President of the United States is 538. Within that whole number, a majority is 270. The votes for Vice President of the United States are as follows. Kamala D. Harris of the state of California has received 306 votes. Michael R. Pence of the state of Indiana has received 232 votes. The announcement of the state of the vote by the President of the Senate shall be deemed a sufficient declaration of the person's elected President and Vice President of the United States, each for the term beginning on the 20th day of January 2021, and shall be entered together with the list of the votes on the journals of the Senate and the House of Representatives. Uh, so that was my pay. A big moment to have finally got there in the end, Henry, and uh, a concession from Donald Trump has come uh, in the last uh, couple of hours or so. Yeah, that's right. Uh, a statement which Donald Trump had to issue basically through his uh, allies, because he's banned from Twitter, Facebook and Instagram this morning, uh, saying, even though I totally disagree with the outcome of the election and the facts bear me out, nevertheless, there will be an orderly transition on January the 20th. Um, now, uh, and then his, he goes on to acknowledge this will be the end of the greatest first term in presidential history. Um, that statement is not just a concession. I think that statement is a last ditch attempt to head off the use of something called the 25th Amendment. Uh, there is a clause in that amendment to the Constitution under which Mike Pence uh, and just half of the cabinet can decide to remove Donald Trump from office. And there's quite serious talk last night after Donald Trump's reaction uh, to these uh, protests. Uh, and I think there's more to come out about that. There's some talk that he was quite gleeful when he saw the early scenes of what was unfolding. Uh, there was some serious talk last night uh, that Mike Pence might invoke that power and become acting president. That's that's never happened before. That's never been used. It's never had to be used. Uh and I think Donald Trump acknowledging reality there uh, is an attempt to say to them, you don't need to do this. Um, you can trust me not to do anything crazy in my remaining 13 days in office. <laughs> um, and I suspect it will be enough. 
I suspect it will be enough, but we don't know how advanced those conversations became and we don't know the true story of what Donald Trump did privately yesterday. Well, in a moment, let's turn our attention to uh, exactly what happens next if you know, Donald Trump stays for a few more days. But how does Joe Biden unite the country uh, while uh, trying to sort of take the, the heat out of all this anger? We'll be joined by uh, Daniel Finkelstein. Uh, that's next on Times Radio. Across the UK, on DAB Digital Radio, on the free Times Radio app and via your smart speaker. Matt Chorley on Times Radio. He's still joined by Henry Zeffman, who's live in Washington. But let's bring in Times columnist and keen student of American politics, Daniel Finkelstein. Hi, Danny. Hello. Uh, so, I mean, you've been uh, pretty prolific already. So overnight, you wrote uh, an analysis for The Times saying that uh, Donald Trump likes to think he's unique, uh, but he's not the first president to lose. Uh, and uh, he's definitely it's not the first time that you know, the political temperature has been at boiling point in America. Just put some of this into historical context for us. Well, um, I, what I was trying to do yesterday was to illustrate how central to the American system of government is two things. One is the concession of the presidency at the end of your period of office, which dates really back to Washington's decision after two terms, which he didn't have to do. It wasn't constitutionally mandated to do. You are now um, after after um, FDR, after Roosevelt overstayed his welcome. In 1951, it was decided that you could only serve two terms. But Washington could have gone on serving. He didn't want to be seen as a monarch, which had always been the accusation against him. And he wanted to return to Mount Vernon, um, and so he, which is his home. So the first thing is that was uh, regarded by most people as one of his finest acts and the beginning of American democracy. And the second uh, was two years earlier. He had personally led troops uh, to go to Philadelphia to put down a rebellion against federal taxes. Uh, and um, this was another part of the American Constitution, which was we won't let law be set by violence and misdemeanors. And this is what Donald Trump has effectively encouraged yesterday. So what I was trying to do is to show historically the background. Joe Biden now has another historical precedent. It's what I'm going to call today Ford's Dilemma, uh, which was Gerald Ford wanted to heal the nation, end the national dilemma. He didn't want a former president going to jail. Uh, he didn't want um, all the trials that would take place. So he pardoned his predecessor. Uh, and um, I think that Joe Biden will actually face a lot of problems uh, with with uh, the courts pursuing some of these demonstrations from yesterday, members of the Trump family, Donald Trump himself, and he'll have to decide whether pursuing that is ending the national night nightmare or not pursuing it, which was the decision Gerald Ford made is ending the national nightmare. I, I both think and also believe uh, that the right solution um, will prove... Uh, I think that he will judge this, and I believe it myself, that the right solution is, in fact, not Ford's uh, solution on this occasion. And he should be pretty relentless against Trump. Uh, what do you think, Henry? What, what is the approach that you think that Joe Biden will take? Well, I I think one uh, small sign actually came yesterday just before all the drama kicked off, which is that Joe Biden announced uh, his choice to be his attorney general to oversee his Department of Justice. Uh, and he uh, chose a man called Merrick Garland, uh, whose uh, selection was swiftly overshadowed. Um, but uh, Barack Obama had actually previously nominated him to the Supreme Court in 2016, but Republicans refused to give him a hearing. Uh, and um, Merrick Garland is a career prosecutor uh, before he became a judge uh, and, you know, a very serious professional 
basically bureaucrat. So I think I think that what that tells us is that Joe Biden will basically put the decision <coughs> about uh, how to pursue Donald Trump uh, out of politics. You know, he doesn't want a sort of Democratic Party hack uh, in there pursuing Donald Trump for obviously political purposes. Um, but I'm sure there is plenty that Donald Trump has done, which, you know, blandly professional career prosecutors can find uh, and will find, which they will want to go after for the next few years. And just uh, looking at things from a British perspective, Danny, there was a, inevitably there was uh, the sort of the Twitter scramble yesterday to say, why hasn't Boris Johnson or Dominic Raab responded? And then other people say, well, if you think that's the most important thing, then you're wrong. And then people say, well, if you don't think that's the most uh, Does it matter uh, what um, Britain says and does about what happened in America? And does it have any impact on the so-called special relationship? Right. Well, absolutely. This government has to defend uh, democratic norms. Um, I was actually glad that Boris Johnson did make a statement yesterday, and I thought it was an appropriate one, as it happens. Um, I did not think, when it was suggested that the British government ought to announce who had won the presidential election um, uh, immediately after it happened, that that was our that was the job of the British government until it was called, and then the British government appropriately did acknowledge it. So I, I think although people are keen to find fault, I, and, I, and by the way, I'm as keen as anybody else because I have been very critical of Conservatives' willingness to accommodate what has long been obviously the uh, authoritarian tendencies and populist tendencies of Donald Trump. So I'm by no means, um, you know, uh, accommodating or, or generous about the, the party's response in general. But I think in government, its response has been perfectly appropriate and was yesterday. And Henry, you're waking up in Washington this morning. What do you plan to do now that the curfew's been lifted? Uh, well, I don't usually go outside at 6.30 in the morning. There's not a lot to do, so I might leave it a couple of hours. Uh, but, uh, but look, I, I don't know. I mean, who knows what, what today holds? I suspect that Donald Trump's statement has probably headed off some of the, uh, some of the crazier outcomes which could have, uh, could have happened today. But, um, but you'd be a fool to rule anything out, really. Well, we've come to the end of this episode of the Red Box Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Listen to my Times Radio show every Monday to Thursday, 10 till 1. Uh, you can listen on DAB Radio, on your smart speaker. Get the Times Radio app. You can also listen to the Red Box Podcast of the Times Radio app as well. And if you want to read about the stories that we've been talking about, then you need a Times subscription. To get that, go to times.radio forward slash subscribe. Mm-hmm.